0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore So today is going to be a short episode. I know, I know, every time you say that, it's like an hour and 45 minutes long. Um, it's going to be short out of necessity because I could not wrangle myself out of bed today. So um, it is what it is. Shout out, by the way, to the guy that um, lunged at Dave Chappelle and then got the ever-loving crap beat out of him. <laughs> it's actually, it sounds like a pretty serious situation because, I don't know if it's true, but just doing, you know, doing my early morning Twitter surfing, the guy had a knife and a gun on him. How did he get into the venue? I don't know, but uh, the next thing I saw was him being hauled away in a stretcher with a mangled arm and busted up hand and everything else, so... um when I say kudos to the guy that lunged at him, really what I mean is kudos to Jamie Foxx and that security staff that just completely <laughs> just mangled the man. Because look, if, if 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 the world's going to go crazy, there at least needs to be a counter message being sent. But we still don't really tolerate crazy. You know what I mean? Olin Kroot sent out the message, we don't tolerate disrespect. Maybe took it too far. I don't know. I wasn't there. Guy on a plane decided he wanted to just be disrespectful to Mike Tyson, got his face caved in, and now people who don't like Dave Chappelle or think that they can just lunge at him whenever they want. There's a very clear message of there's still rules and decorum in society, and if you want to be stupid and you want to be crazy, you're going to get smashed. And I think that's fair. You want to just be yourself and not go along with societal norm, that's fine. But your nose and or wrist might get dislocated, I don't know, I'm just saying. If you're willing to accept the consequences, then you can do whatever you want. It is crazy, though. There's another one, just like the whole slap thing, where I saw it and I'm like, that didn't happen. And then I was like, well, that's not even like a that's not even like an interesting joke. What would that even mean? And it turns out it was very real. But anyways, in all seriousness, glad the dude's okay. Crazy times. Be careful out there. I want to start off with something, um, believe it or not, optimistic. That that ship may have sailed, but <laughs> I was listening to. There's been so much negative stuff about the Packers and again I'm kind of just shocked by it and I shouldn't care I really shouldn't it doesn't matter and you know what maybe they're right maybe the Packers draft did suck I don't know we don't know that's kind of the point but there's been just so much that I'm kind of stunned because even after the draft happened I was like listen if nothing else you know granted maybe the Packers got away from their philosophy a little bit maybe that's not the best thing Maybe it's the beginning of the end. Maybe this is a disaster. And, and yeah, it's a good short-term strategy, but a terrible long-term strategy. But you know what? At least the media is going to love this one. Because we didn't overdraft guys. We broke all the norms, you know, because that's the, th- the Packers are too stuffy. They don't do stuff like drafting linebackers. Now all of a sudden, the media has decided you shouldn't draft linebackers. It's It's a bad process. Since when do you care about process? I've been the one saying don't take linebackers in the first round. And I've been getting skewered for it. Everybody's favorite picks is always those early, you know, Roquan Smith and, and. Micah Parsons everybody's favorite thing to do Patrick the fact that we didn't get Patrick Queen is the worst thing in the human history now the Packers do it and they're Like you know what? We're gonna be cool, too We're not gonna be these stuffy guys that that always do like the smart thing. We're gonna be doing cool stuff You know, I'm gonna smoke some cigarettes. I know it's bad for you, but it's cool And I'm gonna loosen up a little bit and then he you know Brian Gutekunst over there grabs a cigarette and kind of you know He's coughing a little bit cuz he doesn't do it but he's like, I'm going to be cool. And everybody's looking at him like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you smoking cigarettes? Oh, we don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Like, what are you, what, what? That's bad for you. Like, I know, dummy. I've been saying that for years. And you're picking on me. Suddenly we can't. And it's again, same with the A.J. Dillon thing. Like, well, you shouldn't draft running backs early. It's a bad process. What are you talking about? I don't remember a lot of people th- throwing a hissy fit when the Dallas Cowboys drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the first freaking round. It's bad process. No. Nobody cares. Dallas went out and got a, a third wide receiver what, last year or the year before when they got CeeDee Lamb. They already had two top tier wide receivers. They drafted a third one. Everyone's like, yeah! That's freaking awesome. They drafted Ezekiel Elliott way too early. First round running back. Dude! Yeah, Cowboys! And we're like, all right, we and we can be cool, we can be hip, we can be with it. Gonna get a linebacker. We kind of need those now, anyways, and it's it's valuable to our franchise and the way we do defense. We really need it, so um, we're gonna do it, guys. We're we're we've made the decision. It's like, shut up, Green Bay. You don't draft linebackers in the first round. Stop dra- Stop doing stupid things. Just do what we say. And the thing I say is draft a wide receiver. Well, we we try, but there were there were none. Left. We we would we've tried several years in a row, but you guys. Kind of, kind of take them too early, and so they don't usually make it too, too up. Uh, we'll do a linebacker. No, no, stupid Packers. It's just, it's just, it's just weird to me. I don't understand. And again, my my biggest issue is there should be a consistent standard, and there isn't. So many times when the Packers get crucified for stuff, it's like you don't, you don't crucify anybody else for the same thing. Hilariously, there's two things that people freak out about when it comes to linebacker. Number one, the Packers took one in the first round, which you should never, ever do. Don't do it. Secondly, um, what's up with all these other linebackers not going earlier? Like, N'Kobe Dean should have been a first-round linebacker. And um, Devin Lloyd, by the way, great pick. Great pick. Stupendous pick in the first round. Loved it. Wonderful. Great process. (laughs) Stupid idiots. Oh, I hate everyone. Um, sorry, kids, don't say bad words. I'm sorry. Unintelligent, um, unintelligent people. It is redundant, and I said that twice. You dumb dummies. Anyways, anyways, off on a t- seven-minute tangent on um, Dave Chappelle and, and, and media nonsense. But as I've said, it's, it's very split. You have some people that are saying this is the worst draft in human history because they took a linebacker in the first round, which suddenly became a bad thing. Never in human history. See, and this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to move. On. I'm trying so hard to move on. I, and I know I'm biased. And maybe I'm sensitive to it. And there's probably other teams that are the same way. But there is no way in the world you can't tell me that there isn't a bias against the Packers. And again, it's not, it's it's really just narrative. C- certain people who are very lazy are of the opinion, and this has started several years ago. Brian Gutekunst is a terrible GM. He's an idiot because he's upset. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, and he drafted Jordan Love, and he's just kind of stupid. And so whenever he does things, it, people are quick to go, mm. I, I remember this back in the... It used to be the opposite, right? Ted Thompson could do no wrong. The guy had stopped drafting, well, for the last, like, three years. And it didn't matter what he did. No matter what he did, it was the greatest pick in the world. Why? Narrative. It's not necessarily anti-Packers. It's just the narrative right now is that the Packers organization is stupid. It doesn't matter that they all they ever do is win. It doesn't matter that they turned a franchise around faster than anyone has ever turned a franchise around from a team with a losing record to 13 wins three seasons in a row. Because there's a lazy narrative out there that the Packers are stupid with stuff. It's kind of like Bill Belichick, right? No matter what he does, he's a genius. Now, they're just, people are just starting to realize that this guy has, has not been good at drafting in like four or five years. He kind of sucks at it these days. So, there's a very slow turn toward like, I guess we don't have to worship every single pick he makes, um, but I don't really know what to do about stuff. But you can just feel, and I'm sure, I, I know it's not just the Packers, I'm sure there's plenty of other teams that are the exact same way. And by the way, the other thing that really annoys me about a lot of NFL podcasts, and it's a very real thing that people, you know, the, it's that East Coast bias. The amount of times, the, the amount of time they spend talking about the irrelevant Jets. Is unbelievable to me. So many podcasts, all they talk about is the Jets. Literally, nobody on planet Earth outside of New York cares about the Jets, knows that they even exist, wants to hear a single word about the Jets. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. But they talk about them all day long. So I could probably do a whole episode on narratives about teams that are just stupid. The Saints. The amount of respect the Saints get is is staggering to me. Why? Because for some reason we we love the idea that they're not giving up. No, they're stupid. They're very stupid. That, that organization is one of the dumbest organizations on planet Earth right now. They're refusing to acknowledge. I, I saw somebody showed the total compensation they gave up for, um, I, I'm blanking on his name, the wide receiver. Once the draft is over, I forget all the prospects' names. Alave. Because not only did they trade up for him, but they had to do a bunch of other things to get those picks. And so they, they showed the total compensation, and it was unbelievable. And it's for a freaking wide receiver. This is a team that has no hope of winning anything. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have any money because they keep going all in every year for like 10 years. And they've lost their quarterback and everything's over. And granted, the Packers are kind of doing this, but we still have our freaking quarterback. When your quarterback leaves, now it's time to be like, all right, and your coach, your coach left. Now is a great time to reset. And you still do have a good roster. I'll grant you that in terms of like some solid pieces. That's why a real quick mini rebuild would be in order, but nope. We're throwing away everything we have. We're giving away all the remaining money. We're going to stay massively in debt. We're going to throw away all our picks for a freaking wide receiver. And we're going all in with Jameis and all these other holes that we have. Jeez. But, oh, they love the Saints. Oh, I respect it. I respect it. really respect that they, they just they don't give up. No, don't respect stupidity. It's stupid. Don't do that. <sighs> can't think of any other nfc north stuff i mean the the bears the bears get too much respect for justin fields which is annoying to me and i don't think they get skewered enough because they're a very or at least used to be a very aggressive team and the media loved that they traded up for justin fields and they traded up for tevin jenkins and that's awesome despite the fact that justin Fields sucks and tevin jenkins sucks and now they have no picks to be able to fix all the holes on this roster that is literally one of the worst in all of football arguably the worst roster in all of football. Granted, I'm not saying they're loved, but they don't get skewered nearly as much as they should. Considering the Packers get attacked more than the Bears, that's kind of ridiculous. Vikings, I don't think get treated fairly or unfairly. Generally speaking, I think their quarterback is treated unfairly, but that's mostly by Vikings fans, so that's that's, you know, that checks out. But anyways, 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 we're getting back on track here. I don't mind criticism, but just make it make sense. Make it make sense. If you've consistently said, I don't like first-round linebackers and the Packers took a linebacker, therefore I don't like it, fine. You, as long as you've been saying that since forever and there's never been a first-round linebacker that you've supported, then fine. And I know, I know for a fact there are numbers people that are that way, but I also know that there are media people who are doing backflips for every other team that takes a linebacker, as long as it's a linebacker they like. And the fact, the fact of the matter is they didn't like Quay Walker and they're using, quote-unquote, process... As an excuse to say that it was a stupid pick when all you really mean is I didn't like Quay as the right line. You should have taken Devin Lloyd or one of the other linebackers. And I don't like when people hide behind nonsense. Just say what you mean. Anyways, back on track for the 900th time. Here we go. We can do this. We can do this. I picked today when I have no time to be all fired up about everything. Listening to the Ringer NFL show. I don't usually do this. I should do this more often because, um, why not? But, um... They were talking about, uh, well, I guess you'll see. But here, here is the Ringer NFL show, and I just appreciate that somebody out there sees it. Again, maybe he's wrong, but the annoying thing is everybody has their own narrative about what things mean, right? Again, the media narrative is the Packers only need wide receivers. That's it. Nothing else matters, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's so weird that they get stuck on that one thing. It's, it's almost like because that's the one thing they're just the most lazy group of people in the world where they're like i don't need to look into the packers i know what they need it's a wide receiver what else do they need i i told you a wide receiver did you look at anything else what else do they i don't i i told you i've got other stuff to do ozark is back dude i haven't i haven't even started last thing i saw was you're gonna have to friggin kill me and it's back and i want to know how that ends and you're asking me questions about Packers and I told you wide receiver and that's the only answer to anything ever for the Packers leave me alone but once in a while there are people that actually pay attention and they have a deeper understanding of how things work and I want to play one of those things for you now finally here we go do you guys have any lingering draft takes that you haven't gotten out yet now that you have two days to think about it Steven I'm uh I'm really high on the Packers now I think they're better than they were last year On paper, I think they could have a top three defense. And that's something they haven't had since, what, 2010? I agree with that. I had them as my night one winner because of that, because they didn't reach for a wide receiver, because they got Christian Watson in the second round, who's one of the best athletes in the entire draft at any position. They got two Georgia guys we know can play. If those guys, and I think because of their athleticism and the fact that they played in the SEC and the fact they played so many big games, I think there's a floor there where they're going to contribute something in 2022. This to me looks like a really, really good team. Having said that, we keep saying that about the Packers, and then some random misfortune, like special teams, befalls them. Is this year that doesn't happen, Steven? I think so. I think so. And I think when when like a superstar gets traded, we always we always take shots at the team that traded the superstar. But I mm-hmm. really think they're a better team. And this shows why you trade those superstars sometimes, because you have the resources left over to strengthen other places on your roster. And they've done that. they great. Nora, what do we think? Well, I felt very silly because I came out of the, the entire draft loving what the Packers did. And I had a little bit of nervousness after the first round, just because it felt what? like, okay, you still have this need. You still have to address it nah. somewhere. And then two draft picks outside of the first round. They went and did it. So seems like it's going to be a okay there. Honestly, for me, it's the depth of understanding from that entire crew that I really appreciate. First of all, this is something that I had mentioned, and I, I don't want to address it much because it's immediately going to sound Homerish. But it's clearly not impossible to be a better team than we were last year. But I've said that several times. We're not going to have a better wide receiver group, but we can have a better team. And, and I'm telling you right now, if our if we have a dominant offensive line and a dominant defense, I think we have a better team. I think everybody is so wide receiver obsessed. The fact that we don't have a better wide receiver room, the fact that our wide receiver room is worse, everyone just automatically assumes, well, then the team is worse. Because wide receiver is the most important thing on a football team. Tell me that the offensive line is going to dominate this year. Tell me that the defense, as they said, is a top three defense. And I'm telling you, this is a better football team than last year. Football team, not wide receiver group, football team, which is ultimately what we need. If it, it, just Just, first of all, As I said about the defense, the defense was dominant last year, half the year, a little more than half the year, and they were garbage the second half. Really, all we're talking about when I say dominant is you don't have those games of just completely falling apart. So more consistently dominant. But on top of that, as far as the offense, what what are some of the things we know about when this team fails, why does it fail? It's always because it becomes one-dimensional. Now, maybe that's cart before the horse. It becomes one-dimensional when things don't go well. But regardless, the offensive line cannot block. Therefore, we cannot run. Therefore, we decide not to run and throw the ball. Aaron Rodgers is under duress. He's panicked. He wants to take control of the game. He wants to throw the ball every single down. And then he, at some point, decides to turn to Devontae and just launch it to him 24,000 times in a game. Every game that we lose, what you'll see is Aaron Rodgers throwing to Devontae over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm not saying we were a worse team with Devontae, but again, if Aaron Rodgers has a clean pocket and halfway competent wide receivers, along with an offense that is very good at scheming, and you're telling me that, by the way, we can run the ball really, really well, at that at that point, we can manipulate you however we want. That I mean, listen, this is the reason why the Patriots never really had elite wide, I shouldn't say never, but They were never really the most dominant wide receiver group, but they still dominated everybody all the time. What did they have? They had an elite defense and Tom Brady stood in the pocket for 45 minutes. He had a clean pocket for 45 minutes and he was just surgical. And because they had such a good offensive line, they could attack you at all the different levels. And you had a a quarterback that knew how to read defenses and he could just find the guy that was going to be open and throw it to him. Simple. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any biases anymore. Maybe Alan Lazard, but I don't think that's going to be that big of a, of a thing. So he has no choice but to stick within the system and just throw to the guy that's going to be open. We'll see what happens. And again, we have to see if it's a better defense. We have to see if the offensive line is improved. Maybe none of these guys we drafted are any I don't know. But on paper, there's that guy who puts together a list of best and worst rosters that are out there. Even with him saying we have the second worst wide receiver room in football, which clearly remains to be seen, I'd be a little surprised if it's that bad. Even still, he has us as the second best roster in football. And again, we're so wide receiver obsessed, we just can't see it. And I also think something else they said that's very true is a couple things. Number one, they're getting skewered because they they let Devontae walk, but they've been getting skewered since before then, and I don't think it got too much worse. I think the bigger issue is something else that they said, which is we do this every year where we root for the Packers and we say they're going to be a good team and then they don't do anything. And I think that's part of it that I'm kind of missing. Not only are they souring on Aaron Rodgers, not only are they souring on the Packers organization as a whole. But I think for, I don't know, since 2011, the media has been saying, this is the team to watch for the Super Bowl. This is the team to watch for the Super Bowl. This is the team to watch for the Super Bowl. They kept betting on the Packers. And now it's becoming a safe bet to bet against them. Even if you seem kind of stupid because they're going to win a bunch of games, they can always fall back to, yeah, but they're going to lose in the playoffs. And they haven't been wrong. Now, granted, you could say that to just about any team. I can tell you right now to your face, the Chiefs are a a useless organization. They suck. They're garbage. And if they go out and win 13, 14 games, then it sounds impressive. But then when they don't win the Super Bowl, which I don't think they will, because, I mean, they have obviously a very limited chance, then I guess I sound like a genius. I could do that with a lot of teams. But I, I think that's a big reason for, on top of a lot of other things, I think that's a big reason for the anti-Packers sort of bias. I don't have to respect the Packers. I can say whatever I want, and it's not going to matter because as long as they don't win the Super Bowl, I'm not really going to get skewered for it, which is why I've been saying for the last couple years, the only way to shut them up, the only way for Gutekunst to ever get any respect, the only way for Aaron Rodgers to regain any level of respect, the only way for the organization to get any level of respect back is to win the Super Bowl. And then maybe we can reset. Then maybe people say, well, okay. By the way, obviously every year would be a great year, but this would be a perfect year. The one year after Devontae's gone, because then I never, just like with the draft, I never want to hear a freaking word about what the Packers don't do ever again. If they win the Super Bowl, I never want to hear another freaking word about wide receiver, ever. All these years of elite wide receiver play, and the one year we don't have that elite wide receiver, we win the Super Bowl, good Lord, I am going to be insufferable. All of you had better hope we don't win the Super Bowl. Because and, and Brian Gutekunst, by the way, who every single year that he's been here has been like, I think we're fine at wide receiver. I think we're good. I think we're fine. That dude is going to be walking around with his chest so far puffed out. (laughs) But we'll see. According to the numbers, according to the data people, defense and running the ball is useless, and throwing the ball is the only thing that matters. So every numbers person out there, probably also with their fingers crossed that the Packers don't succeed this year, because there's another blow to the numbers community. Anyways, we're going to take a break here. I know we haven't hardly covered anything, but, you know, It is what it is. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back around and do some Patreon questions. As always, please remember to uh, help out Drew. You can find his GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter. We've got $4,487 raised. We are about $3,000 away. I know it's a big number. I always hate saying how much is is still away because sometimes when you hear how far there is to go, people are like, eh. You know what I mean? Like if we were a hundred bucks away, I feel like people would be much more willing to be like, I'll give 10 bucks. But when I say 3000 it's like, nah, I don't know, man. It's throwing money down a well, man. I'm not doing it. But I'm telling you, with as many people listening as we have, when there's a rush of people that are like, all right, I'm going to do it, that gap gets closed fast. So consider it if you can. Speaking of uh, being kind of close to a goal, though, thanks to Joseph Pirano, $100 donation for the SIS subscription. I'm feeling it, man. It's getting close. I can feel it in my bones. It's going to be crazy. By the way, if you go to that uh, GoFundMe, and it's uh, pinned to the top of the Facebook group, I posted a video on there. Um, it just kind of gives you somewhat of a breakdown of the different stuff you can do. Well, one of the awesome things, not only do they have pretty much every metric you can imagine, but the filters are really awesome. I mean, you can, you could, I could tell you Rashawn Gary's pass rush rate on third down and more than five yards from the outside linebacker position. You know what I mean? I mean, just, just, I mean you can filter anything you want you know when it's raining outside I mean, different coverages cover 0 cover 1 cover 2 man cover 2 cover 3 cover 4 cover 6 combo screen tampa 2 prevent can break things down based on route type you know flat slant comeback curl out dig corner post fade fade back shoulder deep cross screen wheel drag swing uh seam quick go fly whip chip curl flat seam check jet sweep all whatever i don't know what half of these things even mean i'm going to have to learn all these routes so that I can figure it out. But, you know, you could break it down based on quarterbacks based on these route, wide receivers, tight ends, cornerbacks, whatever it is you're looking for based on whatever you want to find out ever. That's what I was saying about the the biggest thing with this. All these different things, DVOA, SIS, PFF, depending on what the metric is, they just answer different questions. RAS. SIS gives me the ability to answer pretty much any question that I'll ever have about football. And that's awesome. So if you got a couple bucks, that would be greatly appreciated. Anyways, we will take a break. We will be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Patreon question time. We're going to start off with Ramesh. He says, why no tight end drafted? It's a major need. I've been kind of thinking about that. Um, my honest assessment of this, and, and there's clearly some debate because of Darren Waller, but my assessment of this is every need the Packers had, they hammered and they hammered it hard. The tight ends didn't touch tight, uh, the the Packers didn't touch tight end. Not even in undrafted free agency. As far as I know, they haven't brought in one tight end, not one, including free agency. I mean, we went out and got a free agent wide receiver. We've done things in free agency. We got a free agent defensive tackle. We haven't got a single free agent tight end. My honest assessment, and again, before the draft, I was saying I think they are going to go tight end. I think they really want to tight end, and I do think they want a tight end. But I think maybe I misjudged how much they appreciate the tight ends that they have. I think the Packers assessment is they don't feel they really need a tight end. Well, how do you explain the Waller thing? The, the the thought that I have about the Waller trade is that they love Waller. Not that they're desperate for a tight end, so please like in other words if if this trade was with uh, you know, let's just say Washington for the sake of it, that we would have been begging for Logan Thomas. No, we probably would have wanted like Terry McLaurin or Curtis Samuel or somebody else. Jonathan Allen In other words, it's not so much about the position, it's about we want a really good player, and Darren Waller makes a ton of sense. They would love Darren Waller, but that's because Darren Waller's like a top three tight end. So they're asking for a top three player in exchange for our top player so that we're exchanging a weapon for a weapon and we get a first-round pick. So that's ideal. I don't think it was necessarily a message about we desperately need a tight end, and so we'll take whatever you have. So I know the Packers would like a wide receiver. They may still bring in a tight end, or shoot, tight end, I can't talk. I know they would, they care a lot about tight end. They may still bring in a tight end, but I just, I think I overestimated how much of a need they feel that tight end is. Also worth noting, next year in the draft, I think it's going to be a much more offense heavy draft, and tight end is one of those. There's a couple running backs that could be first round worthy. There's one or two tight ends that could be roughly first round worthy. If it proves to be a massive need, maybe. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Don't do it. Don't say it. I don't want to hear it about what the Packers don't do in the first round. Uh, Douglas says, are we going to get Waller and what day and time? Uh, no, never is the answer to the question. Um, as has been talked about in the past, the and this is the other reason why the whole Waller thing is iffy to me, because the initial reports are it was basically a done deal. And then the NFL is like, no, can't do it. And then, you know, you read a little closer, and the Raiders, basically the Packers are like, you want to throw a Waller in? And at first, how does that sound? And the Raiders are like, no, that sounds stupid. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, I don't think it was that big of a thing as it was ever made out to be. But what we did learn, as far as I know, is that the Raiders were never going to give us Waller. They were never interested in doing it. Yes, it's true, they also couldn't have done it. It's against the rules, but... Um, my understanding from everybody, including the Raiders, the Raiders players, and the original reporter who reported this incident, is that the Raiders were never interested in, in that arrangement. The Packers asked about it, and the Raiders basically said no. And they're still saying no. Earl says, do you think the overall depth of this class, outside of quarterback and consensus top 10 picks, was due to more players staying in college uh, with more to prove? i.e. more top players declared last year knowing that they could be drafted, and later prospects decided to stay in until this year? Um, maybe? I think the easiest way to answer that question would be to just find out if there's more seniors in this class than normal. And it's not my understanding that there is, but maybe. But I would guess no, because, I mean, if that was the case, you would also expect it to be a little bit more top-heavy, and it really wasn't. I think it was actually a very weak class as far as first-round draft prospects go, an extremely weak quarterback class. I know you said disregarding that, but I'm not going to. I just think it was kind of how the draft shook out. You know, every, every draft has its own kind of feel and vibe to it. This one was very um, weak at the top, but, but deep. That is to say, the, the gap between the number one overall pick and the number th- 32 overall pick is smaller than normal. But the value you can get in the third, fourth, fifth round is higher than normal. All right? So if it, if it was on a, I'm sure I don't need to explain this any further, but I'm going to, if, if everybody was on a scale of 100 down to zero, if a normal top 10 pick is in like the, you know, say 97 range, this year we're talking 87. However, it doesn't fall off as quickly. So whereas a fourth round pick, we might be down in the 50s at this point, we're still kind of in the high 60s. And it doesn't really trail off until later. And, and eventually there's that sharp drop off and I think even in the seventh round, we're still there. But I, I personally, I just think that was the makeup of this draft. Every draft has a different makeup. Could be wrong. Um, if you wanted to investigate that, that would be the way that I would do it. Check the age of the draft and see if this is an older uh, draft class than usual. I'm trying to think how I could do that. There, I, I think I know of a way to do that, but I'm not going to do that on the spot. I'll I'll try to investigate that. I think I can look that up, but I'm not sure. But again, my, my off the top of my head answer is I don't think so. I think this is just the way that it is. Aaron says, uh, do you think Mason has a resurgent year as he clearly has a better relationship with O'Donnell than he did with Bajorquez? I say this in reference to their video of the bunk bed scene of Step Brothers, since they now have more room for activities. Pat can really learn how to hold for Mason. I kind of, to be honest, as much as maybe that's kind of a silly thought, I kind of had the same thought. I think special teams in general was just such a dysfunctional unit. And we can try to separate out Mason and the rest of these guys that don't know what they're doing and say, you know, Mason should know better. But I think when things are just spiraling out of control, it can really affect everything else. If you don't trust the the line to block for you because they can't, and if you don't trust the holder to hold for you because he's not very good at it, that might get up inside your head in a very mental type position. If you have, however, a special teams coordinator that you believe in, that instills confidence in you as well as the unit as a whole and the the line is blocking much better for you and you have a veteran guy that's been doing this forever that's very very good very very reliable and that you have formed a personal bond with and and if nothing else he's just kind of in his groove again you know what i mean that's what he needs and and i think there's a chance i do think there's a, there's a big chance that he's kind of just cooked but i think if, if there was ever an opportunity for him to pull back through this is going to be it to get an off a, a special teams coordinator that instills that level of confidence to rebuild this this line with some better talent. And again, the the, the biggest thing is to go out and get a guy, like you said, like O'Donnell, that you can work with, that you can have confidence in. You know, whatever his punting skill may be, which is, from my understanding, relatively mediocre, but I think that's fine for most Packer fans. As long as you're consistently mediocre and not like really good three times and awful four times, we're fine with that. But again, it's just the guy's been doing this forever. He's done it for the Bears forever. He's done it in all the elements since forever. He's been holding. I mean, he does it in his sleep, and he's he's bunking with Mason, which honestly, I think that whole thing is weird. But you know, whatever. Kudos to them for being all right with that, I guess. But they can work out together. You know, I don't. I don't just mean like and ups and getting sweaty in the basement. I'm talking about actual holding, kicking, holding, kicking, holding, kicking. And by the time the season rolls around, those two should be in such a groove. I would be stunned if Mason lost his job to anybody. Mason and Pat should be so, I mean, these guys are, are one of the most experienced duos probably in the entire NFL. They probably are the most experienced duo, even though they haven't worked personally together. And the fact that they have this entire time to just bond and form this chemistry, if, if again, if there's any chance that these guys stick, this this is it. If, I mean, if this isn't, if this doesn't do it, if Mason still loses his job this year, he was never going to be. So I'm actually relatively confident that it will be Mason and Pat O'Donnell this year. Finally, Todd says I think it's time for Julio Jones to be brought in for a tryout. If he looks like he can still get separation, the Packers should sign him. Aaron would make him a star again. Thoughts? Um, start from the end and work my way backwards. I, as I've said before, I don't like. The whole Aaron's going to make somebody a star thing because I've never witnessed that once in my life. Aaron has worked with dozens and dozens and dozens of wide receivers. Most of them are not very good. And Aaron Rodgers didn't change that. Um, good wide receivers are good wide receivers regardless. You know, and we, yes, we've seen some leave and not be good. But I mean, if you're talking about like Jordy, for example, Jordy was not very good when he was here that last year. And then, then he got shipped off somewhere else and he was bad there. And, and especially, I think, with a guy like Jordy, sure, there, but a lot of that is chemistry. A lot of what they had that was great, and maybe even Devontae falls off for that same reason. They don't exactly, yeah, They 50 years ago, they played for like two years together at Fresno State. Cool. But Julio and Rodgers don't have chemistry. So I don't really buy the whole, you know, he's going to make you a star. If you can get yourself open, he can throw you the ball. But you're getting yourself open. And if you can do that in in Atlanta or anywhere else, then I'm pretty sure most of the quarterbacks can get you the ball there too. So I don't particularly like that. And I don't believe that. We've brought in guys, we've brought in wide receivers, we've brought in tight ends. They don't get better when they come here. I don't think I've ever witnessed that in my life. It's not a knock on Rodgers. I just think it's a narrative that is just unproven. I I don't know when that supposedly happened. And we've seen wide receivers dominate on garbage teams. I I think it's an independent function. I think good quarterbacks are good quarterbacks, and wide receivers are good wide receivers. Good wide receivers are good wide receivers. I mean, if if you're a wide receiver that's able to get open and it's a bad pass, you're not going to catch it, so that impacts your stats. But nobody's going to be like, dude, that wide receiver sucks so bad. No, people are like, wow, that guy's really good. Too bad he's on that garbage team, right? DeAndre Hopkins, his entire career has been that guy. (laughs) Well, I guess with with, uh, when Watson was around, it wasn't exactly that way. But, you know, A.J. Green. Andy Dalton has never been a top-tier quarterback. Everybody acknowledged A.J. Green was one of the best wide receivers in football. Didn't matter who his quarterback was. As for the first part of it, I'm not opposed to that. Um, I don't think wide receiver is a settled issue. I think it just becomes kind of complicated at this point because it's just it's becoming just a cluster. You know what I mean? I, I, I know you brought in the caveat of if he can still get separation, if he's still like that guy, then yeah. I mean, he's the one guy that I've been kind of high on. You know, we're adding so many bodies in there. And I don't know that one can separate from the other really clearly, right? Julio on the downswing of his career, going to be too expensive, injury history. Then you've already got a guy in here who, you know, has a high kind of ceiling, but also has an injury history and hasn't really met that ceiling in kind of a long time. And then you've got Christian Watson, who is on the opposite end of the spectrum, where he's extremely young, extremely talented, but extremely raw. And then we've also got Toure and Dobbs that are the same thing. On top of that, we've got Amari and Randall, and then we've got Lazard, who's in his own category of trusted, reliable veteran, but you know, no real upside and ceiling. I mean, the the amount of work to f- parse out who stays, who goes, what role people play, it just it it's becoming very cloudy at this point. So again, the the only reason Julio comes in is he is absolutely still that dude, and he is the very clear number one guy. And I don't know that he can do that. Like if he's going to come in and be just this dominant 1200-yard receiver or whatever on top of everybody and then then fine you you pull the trigger and you let everybody else come along gradually and again it gives you that opportunity to treat the guys we have like we usually treat rookies which is to kind of either redshirt them or just you know if they if they need a year off then you give them the year off if they're ready to go now then we we let them roll now but we don't have to force anybody along because we got enough guys that can play in a pinch if we need them assuming they stay healthy but again, there's there's a level of skepticism there that he can be that guy. And so now we're just talking about a pile of guys. And I don't know that that's hugely beneficial because I think the Packers want to have a core of guys and a certain identity to their team, right? This is the reason why Amari, as I said, didn't get a ton of snaps last year is because we, we have a way of doing things with the guys that we have. Devontae has this role. MVS has this role. Lazard has this role. Occasionally we bring in Randall for this role, but this is kind of how we operate. These are the plays we run. This is how we do it. You add another wide receiver to that mix, it's like, all right, well, we got to, okay, let's look at a couple new plays, and then we got to do this. And it's just, it's a complicating factor in terms of retooling the entire offense because of one guy. If you've got a bunch of guys like that, it's going to be nearly impossible to have like a coherent vision for the offense. You've got your Julio offense. You've got your, your Christian Watson offense. You've got your Dobbs offense. You've got your Randall offense. You've got your Lazard offense. You've got your Samore Toure offense. You've got your Amari offense. You just, there's so many different packages and things. It just, again, it gets to be complicated. So Again, I, I'm, I'm mostly out on that at this point. We brought in three wide receivers on top of, I think, three more undrafted free agents on top of Sammy Watkins. We have a huge pile of guys. Unless Julio Jones is miles above all of them, I'm not interested. I'm not. And I, and I don't know that he is, and I don't know that anybody out there pending some kind of a massive trade... But at that point, it just seems like, why Why are you doing that? You, you've you invested a ton in the position. And now your your conclusion after going out and getting Sammy and then going out and getting six new wide receivers to add to your roster is, um, despite that massive investment, I still hate the position and we're going to go out and just disregard this entire group and, and and get another guy to do the job. Well, then why did we bother doing what we did, I guess? I don't know. So you can make a case for Julio, but you have to make a case that he is still a top tier, you know, call it top 15 wide receiver at a minimum, if not top 10, depending on how much he's asking for. And and my suspicion is he's asking for way too much, which is why he still hasn't found a team because he's not a bad wide receiver. He should be on a team. I think the issue is he wants, you know, top five wide receiver money and the NFL sees him as like a top 25, top 30 wide receiver. So I, I honestly think the wide receiver group is, is settled, and maybe that is unsettling for a lot of people, but I think that's just the reality. I don't, I don't think there's any more help coming. I think the Packers have so much to parse through at that position as it is, and they especially don't want to spend a massive amount of money and, and, and whatever else would have to happen to get Julio in the building just to find out that we really don't need him because Julio is pretty washed up and we actually got some pretty good guys. But now we feel like we have to force him on the field because we paid him, but also I don't want to because he's like our third best wide receiver. And, you know, so I, I you know, there are times when I think the team is just going to run with what they got. Same with what I said about tight end, right? If, if a great opportunity for a tight end, like Waller presented itself, we'll upgrade. But um, if not, meh, not big on the on the tight end class. None of those guys really fell to a place where I was comfortable with it. And um, I think we're just going to run with what we got. That's just kind of the vibe that I'm getting and, and just kind of feeling out what the Packers do have done and are doing. I think they more or less feel like everything's pretty well settled. I think they're good with the offensive line. I think they're good with the wide receivers. Tight end, I wouldn't necessarily say is settled, but they clearly are not interested in just bringing in any random scrubs. So pending a major trade, I don't think they do anything there. Quarterback obviously is is a done deal. Running back is a done deal. They've done plenty with the defensive line. I'm guessing they're good at edge. Maybe not quite. Maybe there's one other free agent guy they want to bring in. Um, linebacker's mostly good. Corner's good. And, and, you know, safety, a lot of people are worried about the depth there. But, you know, maybe you bring somebody in, but the, the question is who. There isn't just a dominant player just waiting out in the wings. I saw some people kind of making a big deal about that as though, you know, having two reliable safeties is a is a problem because it's just two. Half the NFL doesn't even have one. <laughs> much less two. Maybe that's not true, but half the NFL at the very least does not have two. Very few teams have two. So, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just the nature of, of football, man. Not everything's going to be perfect. There is no perfect team out there. There's no team that has perfect wide receiver, offensive line, running back, quarterback, tight end, defensive tackle, edge rusher, linebacker, cornerback, and safety group. And depth, by the way. So that if anybody gets hurt on the offensive line, if your quarterback gets hurt, if your wide receivers get hurt, if your safeties get hurt, if your corners get hurt, if then we're fine because we have we have not only a great total roster, but elite backups across the board. So no matter what we are, we are invincible. That just That's not a thing that's ever happened. And there's at some point got to be a level of this is what it is and we're running with it. And yes, there, there is disaster will happen if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Disaster will happen if Adrian Amos gets hurt. Disaster if Rashawn gets hurt. All kinds of disasters can happen, but, you know, that's the way it is. And at some point, you just got to live with what you got. And that's kind of where I'm at with with most of the team at this point. I'm to the point where there really isn't any position I'm looking at going, I wouldn't mind bringing in just kind of like a lower-level meh guy. You know, good enough guy. May, again, maybe edge. If there's, if there's a cheap Whitney Merciless sitting out there, obviously I don't mean Whitney because he retired, but a guy like that, I'd be good with that. I loved it last year when we had four. If we, we have two now, we have a guy that we think can probably play a little bit that we drafted, bring in another one, maybe. Otherwise, I, I really can't think of anything. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, Bye-bye.